0: Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favourite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is The AgriPod with Alice McFarland.
1: On this episode, a new study by Ernst & Young projects the global plant-based food market will reach $250 billion by 2035. The largest portion of that would be alternative meats at about $160 billion with additional markets for beverages and seafood. Protein Industries Canada CEO Bill gruel says we should be aiming for about 10% of the plant-based food market, but this will require increased production, additional ingredient processing, and more domestic plant-based food manufacturing. Go will have more on that new study. A new report from Farm Credit Canada says the Canadian food and beverage sector is well-positioned to take advantage of the new marketing opportunities that will be created as the global economy opens back up. And while the pandemic has resulted in losses, it's also created some new opportunities for Canada's food and beverage sector. FCC Principal Economist Craig Klemmer will talk about the rollercoaster year of 2020 disrupting supply chains and export markets that also prompted the closure of the food service industry. But he says the food and beverage sector has adapted well. After the break, Bill
0: Gruel. Digging into the topics that matter to you, The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane.
1: Bill gruel is the CEO of Protein Industries Canada. Bill, we've heard a lot about the pulse and plant-based food and beverage industry, and uh, it certainly is an exciting time.
2: Yeah, it's an exciting time for me, but it's a really exciting time for agriculture and food in in Canada. I mean, that's an industry that's doing extremely well and we're so pleased to to help support the companies that are growing the sector in in Canada.
1: Give us a sense of some of the announcements that Protein Industries Canada has made over the course of the last year or so.
2: Yeah, yeah. We, we've supported um, 18 projects now and our total investment portfolio is around $350 million. And so it, it is exciting. And, um, you know, we're supporting projects everywhere from uh, plant breeding, looking at increasing protein content in canola to production agriculture, doing some work on, uh, on automation and, uh, and, uh, imaging technologies and uh, building out traceability systems and digitization of agriculture. Uh, a lot of work in advanced developing advanced processing technologies. Those are really exciting projects because it's new and novel uh, applications that are leading to ingredients that uh, have have never been produced before. Really exciting work, and then some of the some of the really novel stuff around creating brand new food products, new beverages, new alternative meat substitutes and uh, pulse flowers for fortification of the baking industry. So it's been a real uh, wide swath of of innovation that we've been able to support.
1: Your organization is based in Regina, but those projects really have covered the prairies and even further than that, right?
2: Yeah, in, in fact, they've been countrywide. So we've got projects led out of British Columbia, The bulk of our projects, of course, led out of Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Alberta, a few out of Ontario, and we've even got members participating in projects from Quebec. So we're really trying to be... Uh, National in scope because the agriculture sector, as you know, stretches from coast to coast and uh, there's a lot of food processors and uh, researchers and innovative companies across the value chain scattered throughout Canada. So about 70% of our investments and projects are happening right here in the prairies, but we do have reach uh, on, on both sides.
1: So there's no question we're seeing this increased demand for plant-based products. Interesting work for Protein Industries Canada, and you wanted to know just how big the opportunities could be. So tell us about this report from Ernst and Young that uh, you commissioned.
2: Yeah, so you know I started about two and a half years ago at Protein Industries Canada, and the question always came to me: How big is the market, and how much can Canada? Uh, achieve in in terms of market share? That's a tough question to answer because this is new and emerging. You know, there's plant-based meat, which I think we're all familiar with, right? Burgers and patties and those kind of things. But there's all this emerging white space around alternative seafoods, you know, different cuts of meat, the beverage industry, um, you know, egg substitutes. So we really wanted to have an understanding of what the market size really was. And so we worked with a large firm that many people are familiar with, Ernst & Young. And we put that question to them about last October. And uh, they went away and did a lot of work on a global basis looking at the size of the plant-based food market, starting with the alternative meat market, which is going to be the biggest segment over the next 15 years. And uh, they came back with a number of that market, just alternative meat, going to be worth about $180 billion Canadian out in 2035. And if you think about the other market categories that I mentioned, so that's alternative seafood and the beverage market and fortification and alternative eggs and dairy, we think it's easily, uh, easily a $250 billion Canadian market out to 2035.
1: All right, you mentioned meat, but uh, what are the other areas that are also gaining attention?
2: I, I think the big ones are the alternative dairy market. So things like coffee creamers and uh, oat milks, those types of things. Um, the alternative cheese market is uh, is really expanding. And a lot of technical challenges there to get the mouthfeel and the texture of cheese. But a lot of great innovative work going on there. And that opens up markets for people who have dairy allergies and people who are wanting to make Uh, environmental and health choices about the food they're eating. I think that's going to be a big market. One I think that's really exciting is the alternative egg market. It doesn't sound big. There's about 25,000 tons of egg substitutes consumed annually today. Uh, I read the other day that that market is going to expand to 8 million tons by 2035. And if you think about that, that's, that's tens of millions of crop needed just to service the alternative egg market. These are huge, huge opportunities for Canada.
1: $250 billion by 2035. How do you achieve that? Uh, What are the next steps?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think first let's start with what, what you think Canada's market share can be. I think Canada can capture 10% of the global plant-based food market 15 years from now. And just just to put that in perspective, Canada is about 3.3% of the global agri-food market. So we think Canada can punch well above its weight in the plant-based food market. A lot of that is driven by some of the innovation that we're supporting at Protein Industries Canada. A lot of it's driven by the fact that we've got a lot of crops that we can process. So so first first off, I think we can we can be a significant player. What do we need to do to get there? I think there's a couple things. And first and foremost, I'll say it's investment in processing infrastructure in Canada. So today we process, you know, 19 to 20 million metric tons of crop in Canada. That's canola. That's some wheat milling that we do in central Canada, about a half a million metric tons of pea processing here on the prairies, a little bit of oat milling. But we need to increase processing capacity by another five to six million metric tons of peas and canola and other crops that we produce so that we have the raw ingredients that we can create the food products that uh, that the world needs. So first and foremost, a large investment in processing infrastructure in, in Canada is, is the next first step.
1: And that will require a huge commitment from companies and there are major players that have already stepped up. So I'm sure those conversations are ongoing.
2: Yeah, I, I think they are. And, and you know, just to point to some recent investments that have been made, the Roquette facility that many of your listeners will be aware of at Portage La Prairie, a significant investment. There's a plant uh, around Saskatoon by Verdient and Ingredient Advanced Coy. These are the types of investments we need facilities that can process you know one to two to three hundred thousand metric tons of peas those are not cheap pieces of infrastructure but certainly we're we're looking to attract More ingredient manufacturers have plants expand in Western Canada. There's a lot of room for expansion, too. You know, um, when I talked about the alternative meat market, we think that we need to process an addition, uh, you know, 17 million metric tons of peas just to satisfy the pea portion of that. We only produce four to five million metric tons of peas in Western Canada on an annual basis. So I think you get a sense of how big the opportunity is and the fact that there's room for multiple processing facilities in Canada.
1: How do you ensure that the agronomics are in place that they can support this this type of growth?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's such an important first step. And, um, You know, it's one of the beauties of building this industry in Canada. We've got the most innovative uh, producers in the world using some of the most sustainable production practices in the world. And so, you know, some of the work that we're supporting at Protein Industries Canada uh, in production agriculture, looking at the sustainability, uh, some of the work that we're doing around breeding. But, but, But there's this whole... Uh, kind of ecosystem in Canada on which the agriculture sector is built, and that's public sector breeding. Take pulses for instance, the University of Saskatchewan, heavily, heavily invested in this area. We've got grower groups that have invested in this area. We've got... um, uh you know private sector breeders there's so much work going on we need to continue that work to make sure that we are staying ahead of some of the some of the pests and the production issues that we have but uh, I have all the faith in the world in our innovation ecosystem especially in the breeding and agronomy side and and producers that will adopt new technologies in a rapid pace that will stay ahead of any any agronomic and pest challenges that we have
1: the support is there on the prairies, especially where agriculture is a key sector. But is this report something that you then take to provincial and federal governments and say, here it is, and this is how much we could uh, gain and and benefit from investing in this industry?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's really important that governments engage in the growth of the sector. And there's things that both levels of government need to think about at the federal level, Certainly additional support for innovation and the work that we're doing at Protein Industries Canada is critical. I think the federal government has uh, you know, a responsibility to think about a modernization of the regulatory system for novel food determination and plant-based foods and advanced breeding technologies. Creating a regulatory environment that keeps up with the pace of innovation in this highly rapidly evolving space is, is really critical. I think the federal government also needs to keep an eye on uh, international relationships and ensuring that we've got robust trade agreements in place and good relationships with our export customers is is critical on the provincial side i think there is a lot of work that uh, we need to think about in terms of creating a competitive business environment access to utilities that's gas uh, water and electricity uh, making sure that we've got a good uh, tax structure that makes it uh, easy for businesses to establish and and really thinking on both levels of government about policy options around access to capital. There's a huge capital requirement we need to create uh, and ensure that we've got an environment that allows for capital inflow into the sector. And I think I think some creative thinking, on both levels of government about how we do that from a policy and program perspective will be really important just like to thank uh, the government of canada for their continued support of protein industries canada and for recognizing that agriculture is, uh, is a growth industry for Canada. You know, Agri-Food is the largest employer and largest employment sector in the country, second largest contributor to GDP, and uh, that recognition by the federal government to support Protein Industries Canada is important and we need to uh, keep our foot on the gas because there's a sense of urgency here for us to build out this industry soon.
1: Protein Industries Canada CEO Bill Gruhl. After the break, Farm Credit Canada's report on the food and beverage sector. Craig Klemmer will share how he expects to see it rebound post-pandemic.
0: Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane.
1: Craig Klemmer is the Principal Economist with Farm Credit Canada, and we're talking today about opportunities in Canada's food and beverage sector amid the challenges created by the pandemic. So, first of all, Craig, what prompted this report and uh, what specifically does it look at?
0: Yeah, so this report is uh, FCC's investigation and kind of looking at those opportunities in the food manufacturing space and what it means not only for um, you know processing across Canada, but also what the, the impacts are, opportunities for agriculture in terms of the marketplace. Um, so it's it's something new that we're putting out and and really excited to come into market with this.
1: What challenges have been created through this sector, and how have stakeholders responded?
0: Yeah, so I guess maybe we start with the positive. When we think about what's happened, um, you know, our the sector is extremely resilient. It's really, you know, been very agile in terms of adjusting to the marketplace. If we think about 2020, it's been a roller coaster year, COVID-19, uh, the global pandemic. It disrupted supply chains, it disrupted uh, export opportunities, and it created some major challenges domestically with the closure of food services, whether it's uh, restaurants or or banquets or weddings, all all those group activities. And and that closure of the Canadian economy uh, in various forms across the country has really impacted the food sector. Uh, So really what we're looking at is that the industry has done an extremely good job uh, of adjusting to all of these challenges um changing some of their toxic tactics remaining quite agile and resilient and and that's provided some um you know the the industry to weather this pandemic better than other parts of the canadian economy
1: craig what has been done what was the reaction and and then the result
0: Yeah. So if we think about what the industry has done, um, you know, if we think about the pandemic and we think about plant closures and and COVID uh, impacts to employees, uh, the industry has made significant investments into their operations to ensure that, you know, line speeds can remain as efficient as possible. Uh, They've made uh, it, um, you know investment in in protective equipment for employees to ensure that our, our food su- supply system is safe and and reliable um when we think about the marketing arm of it uh you know the closure of food services meant packaging had to change uh the distribution challenges uh changes whether you were selling at farmers markets so selling to restaurants those those were disrupted as due to the closure so um, you know, there's a lot more online marketing and direct to customers in some instances. Uh, adjusting those packaging sizes, as I mentioned, to make sure that they get into the restaurant or to the grocery stores and and other food distribution uh, systems, and and that's really allowed for the industry to weather the storm better than other parts. If we look at overall. Food manufacturing, food and beverage manufacturing, the industry, uh, it did decline slightly, but we did overall in that GDP perspective much better than the Canadian economy overall. So I think that really points and highlights how the industry is done and and why we see some you know optimism there, and just kind of speaking to that resiliency of what the industry has been able to do to to get through the pandemic and and remain on a you know relatively strong. Footing, given all these challenges, disruptions, and, and uncertainty that has been caused due to the pandemic for agriculture and, and food in general.
1: So, given these changes, what uh, is the outlook for the Canadian food and beverage sector going through 2021?
0: Yeah, if we look at the you know the opportunities moving forward here, um, you know vaccines are being rolled across, out across Canada, uh, across the United States, and, and around the world. Uh, We're seeing economies, you know, slowly opening up, you know, mixed results obviously here in Canada, but we're seeing quite a bit more of the opening of the U.S. economy and that's our number one trading partner when it comes to food. So when we look at these opportunities and what's happening, we we did see some declines or some challenges in the food manufacturing sales last year. We we're looking to see a rebound or some strong growth here in 2021 in conjunction with this reopening of the economy. Uh, as people are, you know, there's some demand there where people want to get together with uh, friends and families. and. And as the the economy slowly opens up, that's going to increase demand and opportunity for food. People are looking to get back to restaurants and being you know getting out and and being social again and and We see these opportunities as creating um you know a positive trend for the food manufacturing and beverage manufacturing sector, whether it's just having a a barbecue in the backyard with family and friends or or it's going out to a, a restaurant and and sitting on the patio or, or just having a nice meal uh, with, with um, those family, friends, uh, you know, people are looking to do that again. So we see that as an opportunity moving into 2021. Same kind of story, what we'd see in our export opportunities, we see the United States, you know, as vaccines are rolling across uh, the United States as well, uh, economies are slowly trying to reopen and, and those are gonna create more export opportunities for the Canadian food sector. And, and that's something that we're, we're you know, think is, is something to be optimistic about into 2021. We do have to put some caution on that, though. There are, you know, the pandemic continues to be creating challenges, and we do see, um, you know, some progress and then having to take some step back. So uh, although our, our forecasts look to be fairly strong, and that's really in line with the reopening of the Canadian economy, if we do see further setbacks or challenges there, uh, that could restrict some of those growth opportunities. And I think it's just to be a bit cautious on that, on that re, re, uh, reopening of the economies.
1: How well have the stakeholders adjusted uh, to take advantage of those opportunities that you've talked about?
0: Yeah, so I mean, generally speaking, I think that the industry's done a very good job of taking advantage of those opportunities where they existed. Uh, We're seeing a number of operations and processors uh, direct marketing to consumers. So, you know, a a different and improved online. and that's getting greater access to customers that maybe they haven't had in the in, before. Uh, you know, being agile in terms of creating those distribution lines and, and packaging to make sure that, you know, some of the product that was destined for the food service industry is shifted into the, the, the grocery industry and, and adjusting to where the, the consumers are purchasing. And that ag- agility and those relationships and... and um, uh, you know that customer service that's being provided there is is really well positioning food companies uh, to adjust to that. You know, obviously the food the the food processing sector uh, needs to continue to keep an eye on that opportunity in the restaurant industry and the food services side of things. Uh, and those relationships aren't broken, but it's just taking advantages and adjusting those products back to, back into that feed uh, when when they're opening up a little bit more. So I think that the industry is fairly well positioned all in all. Uh, There still remains challenges, still remains some uncertainty in terms of how do we find that balance with the reopening of food services through 2021. Uh, But overall, Canadian food manufacturing companies are in a good position to take advantage not only of the domestic market, but the export market as well.
1: And just another sign that the ag sector has really stayed strong through all this.
0: No, I think overall, you know, the industries, um, you know, we're doing better than the Canadian economy. And I think that really speaks volumes to, to you know, just um, the leadership that's been shown in the industry, um, you know, to the, the concentration or the the desire to support local, I think, is another trend that's a, a opportunistic for, for the food manufacturing sector, that people are looking to support Canadian businesses and purchase Canadian products. And, and that all is going to contribute some opportunities for Canadian uh, food processing sectors.
1: Farm Credit Canada Principal Economist Craig Klemmer. It's time for the weekly Agriculture News Roundup for the week of April twelfth, two 2021. Planted wheat area in the United States has increased. The latest Sask Wheat Market report estimated 46 million acres, which is up 5% from last year, but the fourth lowest number since records began in 1919. The report compiled by Mercantile Consulting Venture said Canadian wheat exports in week 34 were quite good at 386,000 tonnes. So far this crop year, exports are 12.9 million tonnes, up 2.9 million or 29% from last year at this time. Chicken, turkey and egg farmers across Canada are being compensated for losses incurred during the recent free trade negotiations federal government will provide $691 million over 10 years to 4,800 producers in the supply managed sector. A lot of the money will be spent to improve farm efficiency as more foreign product is allowed in the country. Funding will be distributed starting this year. About $350 million will go to chicken producers, $60 million for turkey producers, $134 million for egg producers, and just under 90 million for broiler hatching egg producers. Cargill announced that it temporarily closed its London, Ontario poultry processing plant due to COVID 19 among some of its workers. The company said there is an active case count of 82 and that 900 people work at the facility. The decision, out of an abundance of caution, as its workforce deals with community-wide impacts of COVID-19, and it said that employees will receive a weekly guarantee of 36 hours pay. Testing has been made available to all its employees. There was no timeline given when the plant would reopen. Provincial forage associations joined forces to create the regional Soil Health Network. Groups from Alberta, Manitoba and Saskatchewan connected their annual events and organizational activities through a Memorandum of Understanding. Manitoba Forage Executive Director Duncan Morrison said the pandemic forced everyone to rethink how to go forward as a regional-focused network that works for prairie producers with conferences and project collaborations aimed specifically around soil health, regenerative agriculture and grazing systems. Canada's Farm Show will move to a virtual format this year. Regina Exhibition Association President Tim Reed said the advisory committee decided to go ahead in an adjusted capacity because of the pandemic. The two-day virtual event, June 16th and 17th, will include speakers and panel discussions. The creation of a renewable diesel plant in Saskatchewan would pay huge dividends for the province's farmers. Federated cooperatives purchased True North Renewable Fuels, which was working on a proposal for a diesel production facility. FCL Vice President Pam Skutnitsky said there is a lot of work to do before the plant can be operational, saying it would take roughly four years to get it off the ground. The 20,000 barrel a day facility would require 1 million tons of canola oil per year. The Saskatchewan government introduced measures to encourage more young veterinarians to work in rural areas. Veterinarians and veterinary technologists who work in rural and remote communities for up to five years will have up to $20,000 of their Saskatchewan student loans forgiven. In addition, in the fall, Saskatchewan Polytechnic will offer its two-year registered veterinary technologist program remotely. Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association Chair Arnold Balicki believes the financial incentives will help at a time when rural vets are getting older and some are retiring. As well, three of 20 seats at the Western College of Veterinary Medicine in Saskatoon will go to students who are more likely to work in a large animal or mixed rural animal practice.